The text for our sermon on this, the second Sunday in Advent, uh, comes from the Gospel reading. In particular, John the, Bapt- uh, John the Baptist, who was prophesied of in Isaiah, and also uh, another prophet, uh, John, I'm sorry, Mark is quoting from two prophecies here in our gospel reading. Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. God's grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Please be seated. Christ prepares you for his visitation as he forgives you and dwells with you. As we sang in this hymn, uh, it it dawned on me, this last stanza, um, as we stood up and sang praise to the Trinity, I'll praise eternal Son to thee whose advent sets thy people free. The hymn writer isn't just talking about when Christ was born, but even now, as we believe and confess that Christ advents to us in time and in space, that as Christ comes to you today in his word, in his body and blood, he is yet still setting you free. It's a recurring pattern of Christ to come to you. The question is, do you prepare to receive him? As the travel holiday season approaches, The thought of company coming to visit is either joyful anticipation or dreaded realization. Either way, when someone visits your home, there's always preparation. You respect your guests by preparing your home or you respect your sanity (laughs) by preparing yourself to endure what you might consider a burden. But when someone visits your home, there's always preparation. When the boss from headquarters visits the local branch office, preparations are made. Relatives coming from all over the country. I'm reminded of one of the greatest, one of the greatest scenes in all of cinem- cinematic drama in the uh, profound and deep cultural movie uh, Christmas vacation uh, with the Griswolds, and one scene in that, there are many great scenes, but one in particular is the doorbell scene, when the family shows up and rings the doorbell, and the doorbell, when they first ring it, goes ding dong, you know, just a nice pleasant sound, but as the family continues to ring the doorbell, it goes from ding dong to ding dong. Slower and deeper and darker. Well, God had always told his people he would visit them, not with a ding-dong, but in many and various ways. God spoke to his people of old. He sent angels. He sent messengers, prophets and priests. He came in a cloud, of, he came in a cloud and he came in a pillar of fire. He used judges. There's a whole book, the book of Judges. He sent kings. There's the whole book of Kings and Chronicles. All of these were ways in which God came came to his people, but all of those means were lacking. They either insufficiently prepared God's people 
by leaving them in their sin. They didn't warn the sinner to turn from their sin. Or they just plain up and ran away. They didn't do what God had commanded them. In Genesis, God said he would send Moses, his servant. Why? To lead the people out of Egypt. To prepare them to be God's people. This, of course, was the the institution of the Passover. God would come to his people, but he would intentionally not come into their houses because of the blood of the Lamb. They were spared God's judgment. They were spared God's presence in their homes. What about us? What about if God were to arrive at your home? Would you be hurried? Would you hide the mess on the floor, throw the clothes off the floor into the closet, stuff it in both hands, push that door closed so it sets a trap for the next (laughs) weary person that opens the door? If visitors come to your home, are they able to tell that this home is a Christian home? Is there a Bible on the table? Is the word of God found throughout? Is there art that displays your Savior's price paid for you? Would you cover up the stains and the paint on the wall? Out of sight, out of mind, you know the saying goes. But you know as well as I do that God is not only... God not only searches outward appearances, but also the heart. In Jeremiah, the prophet said, I am the Lord. I am the one who searches the heart and examines the mind. Under what rug would you sweep your pride? As you think of those visitors with less than holy thoughts, as you loathe those who aren't as smart as you. The prophets, beginning with Moses, were sent to prepare God's people to reflect on these exact things. But they didn't listen. The prophets, even themselves, fell short. Exodus wasn't the only time that God sent servants and messengers to prepare his people. The priests also, too. The book of Samuel, they were sent to prepare the people. They were to instruct people in God's word. They were to offer the mandated sacrifices. They and only they could offer the sacrifices to God on behalf of the people. But the priests weren't faithful. They didn't follow God's word and that resulted in God's anger. Having unfaithful servants summons God's anger upon a people. God said in Malachi chapter 3, Though the priests have failed me, I will send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. All along, God knew that he was the one who was to have to do all the work. And he doesn't doesn't loathe it. He 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 isn't bothered by it, that he has to serve such people as you and I. As if we were coming into his house and he says, oh man. 
No, he welcomes us. Because it's his joy. It's his joy to bring you into his house to free you, as we sang in that hymn. So it fits with the Old Testament in our reading from Mark today that Mark begins with a simple a simple quotation from the Old Testament. Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. Now, interestingly enough, this particular quotation, this reference, it draws a lot of ire from the world and those who try to point out that the Bible is not consistent. You see, because Mark says this is a quotation from Isaiah, but it's directly from Malachi. But also, it's not just Malachi, but it's Malachi and Isaiah quoted together. And some people look at this passage in the Bible and they say, look, the Bible has mistakes in it. Mark said this was from Isaiah, but clearly you can see it's also from Malachi. Mark didn't know what he was talking about. But this just exposes these anti-Christian thinkers, um, I don't know if I'd call them thinkers exactly. But this just shows their biblical illiteracy. Because in the Bible, whenever the writers quote from multiple prophets, and the prophets will say the same thing more than once. But when they quote the Old Testament and the New Testament, the writer will quote too, but he'll only mention the greater prophet, the one who's written more. Paul does this in Romans 9 with Isaiah and Hosea. Matthew does this with Isaiah and Zechariah. When the writers of Scripture quote two prophets together, the Holy Spirit guided them to name only the greater prophet. So when somebody points to this passage in Mark and says, oh, that's Malachi too, Mark is mistaken, you can say, well, no, you don't understand that this is how the New Testament writers quote, two prophets. But Mark is preparing his hearers and us for how we rightly prepare ourselves. How do we prepare ourselves for Christ's coming to us, for his advent? Mark places us in the long line of sinners from the Old Testament. He said, and this is why he quotes John the Baptist, he says, the people in Jesus' time needed to hear John the Baptist, and so do you because you are no different from them. But as Moses himself, the old priest in the Old Testament, and all the people who saw the goodness of God, we ask ourselves the same question. How can we rightly prepare ourselves for his coming? This isn't a one-time event. Mark says the beginning of the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ Mark is essentially saying, begin with this daily. As Mark rightly shows those, he continues by quoting from the Old Testament. Mark rightly shows that it isn't our preparing ourselves that makes us worthy. For when would you be prepared enough for God to visit your home? Do you remember the story when Jesus dropped by the house of some friends Unannounced, Mary and Martha. Remember, Martha was busy. Martha was preoccupied with making everything perfect, but Mary sat at Jesus' feet listening. 
She was holding on to Jesus' word. That's what Mark is doing for you today during Advent as we relearn what it means to prepare rightly for Christ to come to us. How is that? What does that look like? To sit and listen. To put everything on the back burner and sit. Mark tells us, here, listen to the story of God's servant, John the Baptist. That God continues to send his servant to his people because it's the same Holy Spirit. Even when God's people would wander away, that wouldn't keep God silent. That John was God's servant preparing the way. How? Well, we are told, Mark says, John preached repentance. He calls us to confess our sins, to confess that we don't rightly prepare. Too often we do think it's up to us, though. In life, we think we just have to make things just right. We try so hard and we carry around so many burdens with unrealistic expectations. We believe if we do things just the right way, we won't have any problems in life. But my friend, your problems come from God. He's going to give them to you regardless because that teaches you to trust him. We think that we'll never lose a job if we just perform the best. We think our schoolwork will be perfect if we just try hard enough, or our kids will turn out perfect if we sign them up for all the right activities, keep them as busy as possible. Or we think we'll find the perfect spouse if we only. If I only, whatever it might be. John says, no. John says, repent. You are worried about many things. God sent his servant to prepare the way for Christ, not just back in the old days, but even today. The word of John still should echo in our ears. Because why? Well, the word of the Lord endures forever. What John said then, is as relevant today as it was then. John was sent to prepare you for Christ's advent, for Christ's visitation, not just during Advent, but the lessons of Advent are for you daily. It's a lesson we need to hear because we sin much. We clutter our homes, we clutter our hearts and minds, and John comes in his camel hair eating just locusts and honey, and he says, repent. Because Christ has sent, been sent to bring you peace. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you peace. How did God prepare his people through John the Baptist? Well, we have John the Baptist in the Gospel of Mark that tells us how God prepared his people but Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all of them speak of John the Baptist when he comes and how he prepares God's people. John, we are told, baptized people into their preparedness. That it's the work of Christ through his water and word. Did you hear what, 
what Mark said. John baptized people for the forgiveness of their sins. What greater peace could they be? there be? To know that God has prepared you by taking away all that, in, that, all that deserves his wrath. That your sins are washed away in your baptism, your Jordan River, where God prepares you and makes you his own. His blood is not on your door, but on your heart. He doesn't just bear your sins in the closet or sweep them under a rug to find at a later time. He doesn't shine the light on you only for you to cower away in the shadows. No, he gives you a complete and full cleansing. A washing away, regeneration, the scriptures say, a rebirth. You are a brand new house prepared for Christ to dwell in. You are the dwelling place of Christ, a temple. John's baptism was tied to the Jordan River. It gave forgiveness of sins. It was John doing the baptizing, but it was Christ doing the sweeping, the cleaning, the dying. That's what Mark is telling us by quoting John the Baptist when he says, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. John isn't contrasting Jesus' baptism and John's. You see John doing the baptizing with water, Mark says. But it is Christ who is baptizing with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is giving you the Holy Spirit even though you don't see it. It takes faith. The same thing with your baptism now. Even though it was a pastor baptizing you, it's Jesus coming and making you clean, painting his blood all over you. That's how you can have peace, to know that you are prepared. Christ Jesus, he too prepared himself as a lamb being carefully and perfectly prepared for the sacrifice, so too Christ knew his cross would come. And he welcomed it. He prepared for it from before the creation of the universe. He prayed. He fasted. He loved his neighbor. His death, he gave his life and his resurrection. Now is where you find your peace. This is why Peter in our second reading can say, be diligent to be found by him, not doing a pretty good job. But what does Peter say? He says, to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. When the blood of Jesus cleanses you, there's no room for any dirt, no dust, no doubt. You can be at true peace because one greater than Moses has come, your great high priest. He never failed and he will never fail you now. Even when you do see all the ways in which you've sinned, Christ says, take heart, I've overcome your sins. So, do we welcome him into our homes are your homes a place where the word of God is taught, where people can sit and hear? Is your home a place where Bible studies are, Bible stories, all studies too, are taught? 
Is your home a place where the forgiveness of sins is spoken to one another? We get so worried about preparing for visitors, preparing for college, preparing for retirement, preparing for when God calls us home to Abraham's bosom. Being in God's word is the most important preparation you can do. For he promises to dwell with us. But what about when you come to his house to meet him? How would you prepare? And may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.